Welcome in to the Creed of Crypto podcast, where we provide immersive, essential, and evergreen strategies for the novice cryptocurrency investor. How you doing? I am one half of your host, Broke Boy Crypto. I have here with me, as always, Crypto Ewok. We got a lot to get to tonight, and uh, luckily, for once, it seems like it's been so frequent that everything we've been doing lately has been so macro focused, updating everybody on some kind of Fed meeting or whatever else. Luckily tonight, we don't really have all that much kind of news. We have, uh, we're going to peel back the layers a little bit. If you are on the live stream, you see the thumbnail about does Hex really front run the market? And we'll explain what we mean by that and get into it a little bit later. I'm really excited to talk about this topic. But before we do that, let's welcome in my friend, Crypto Ewok. Ewok, let everybody know how you're feeling and uh, physically, I guess, as well as with the markets right now. Well, I'm feeling like shit, to be honest with you. Fight, <laughs> fighting off a cold, you know, a little congestion, a little sinus pressure, but we're going to get through it. And uh, yeah, it's kind of like the markets right now. They're just kind of, you know, they kind of yeah. look like shit as well. So <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling about, about the same as the markets look. That they do, and it's been that way for quite a while. But before we get into it, uh, we'll remind you where we are. I am Broke Boy Crypto, B-O-I. You can find me there on YouTube and on Twitter. YouTube channel is dedicated to kind of living a minimalist lifestyle, both in the financial realm and with your everyday activities. Check out some of the videos there, but it's also to uh, try to build extra wealth through crypto by living a minimalist lifestyle. You'll get the hint if you watch a few videos. But Ewok, let everybody know where they can find you as well. Yeah, I'm Crypto Ewok on Twitter and YouTube. I believe it's Crypto Ewok 4863 on YouTube to be quite precise. And uh, yeah, I'm all things Richard Hart. So yeah, we're going to talk a lot about Richard Hart and Hex. Obviously, like I said, if you can see in the thumbnail tonight, I'm really excited about some of the angles that we're going to take with that because I think it's something that not too many folks are speaking about. So we're going to get into that here shortly. But before that, you know, you said it, Ewok. I mean, we're kind of beating a dead horse here, just looking at the state of the market every week. But it is something we try to do just to welcome everybody into the show and see where we're at in the crypto markets. And as we record right now on Wednesday evening, the 21st, just after 8 p.m. Eastern, Bitcoin is trading at about 16.8K. ETH has climbed up. ETH has actually been overperforming Bitcoin, which has been a trend for a while in this bear market. Uh, it is at 1216 right now is Ethereum. Uh, as far as Hex, we're still sitting at about that two and a half cent mark. Last I look at actually was getting to that. Yeah, 2.46 2, 2. cents right now. So uh, that's where we're looking as far as those three go. And we do continue to sit. I mean, people seem to be getting, I think, kind of comfortable in this range, trading in this 16, 17, 18, 19 range that we've been in for a while, even as low as the low 15Ks. But this is really a no man's land. Even though we're now creating some area here, I think people need to keep in mind that the levels of support and or resistance have been 20K, kind of a big psychological number there too. And as Ewok and I have talked about a lot of this bear market, there's a good amount of support down at about 12K and, of course, massive support at 10K, which has been the big number that Ewok, along with some others, have kind of been calling as the bottom of this bear market. So to me, again, uh, we still have to be taking a really cautious approach right now. I mean, we're, again, in no man's land. This is not a level of support or resistance here. We're kind of just hanging out. 
And, you know, I, if I made a football comparison, Ewok, I don't know if you'll kind of get what I mean by this. We've watched a few football games together. But when, when a team that has maybe not a particularly great offense gets the whole way down the field, and then they're in that, like, five-yard line, three-yard line zone, with inside the 10, basically. And it's like they just don't know what to do all of a sudden anymore. Maybe they'll throw some ridiculous fade pass that never works or um, try an option if they're in college or something. But it just seems like these teams get in the 10, and I always call it no man's land because all of a sudden they're like, what do we do? And they try to right. have to – because the end zone's right there. That's what I feel like we're at um, with these crypto prices at the moment. What's your read on everything? Well, I think we have a little bit more to go to, to get to the 20 even. Um, yeah. But I, I agree with you. Uh, but I think we have to kind of step back and look at the bigger, bigger picture, though. Um, you know, we always talk about these levels and trying to time the bottom. And, and, you know, you almost have to step back and say, all right, in five, ten years, is it really going to matter? Um, mm-hmm. You know, especially with things like that, especially, you know, that you're, is, is one cent or two cents going to matter when it's in the dollars? Um, I, I don't think so. Um, so, you know, call play, <laughs> whether it works or not, yeah. you know, at least you're on the field and you're calling a play. I, I think that's kind of the way you've got to look at it and get your feet wet, start playing around with it, get familiar with it. And if you happen to catch a really good dip or something like that, pat yourself on the back. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I have a video I'm working on a video right now about like trying to time the bottom and where we are on kind of a bigger scale. And that's why we're going to talk a little bit more about cycles tonight and the, in particular, the four year Bitcoin cycle that Bob Lucas frequently trumpets and uh, a lot of other folks and how it relates to both Bitcoin and the crypto market, particularly Hex at large. So we're going to get into that a little bit as well. But I do think that is a good way of looking at the market, maybe zooming out from a four-year cycle type of vibe. And once you really understand, you know, Bitcoin's been around now for a little over, what, 13 years or so. When you kind of understand how these four-year cycles go, it can make you not panic as much about like, what if I buy today and we have another 30% drawdown? You know, you can understand what the potential of this market is and see a December of 2017, uh, see a, you know, May or November of 2021 and, and just kind of see and not only that, but the whole, the whole run up to the first, the May of 2021 of 65 K or whatever. I mean, it's literally right. like one elongated green candle for weeks sure. and weeks and weeks. Um, so yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. You walk like people have to really like not worry about, yeah, you want to get the lowest, cost basis you can but if you zoom out you're going to feel a lot better i think about the situation right yep yeah it's just, it's just a matter of 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 not worrying because nine times out of ten maybe even more uh you're not going to buy the bottom and you're not going to sell the top it just doesn't work that way it, it, mm-hmm. it's it's wishful thinking it really is and you know for somebody to actually time it like that is extremely lucky to for to hit one or the other let alone both so yes yeah yeah you have to you really have to have a uh i don't know a lucky rabbit's foot with you or one of those kind of weird things but um 
Yeah, so I am, again, happy that we don't have a lot to talk about as far as macro goes right now to kind of just quickly um, summarize where we've been recently and where we think we're going to go with that stuff. I'm mainly talking about the Fed and the FOMC readings or yeah, meetings, and that is uh, we recapped it a lot last week, but it seems that the indicator there is um, they're going to continue to tighten down. And we might be getting lower interest rate hikes, but for longer. So, you know, we'll kind of get into what we think that means on a longer time horizon. But in other words, I think, you know, through most of quarter one of 2023, we are going to have continued rate hikes, although not of the 75 point variety from the Fed. Uh, and we'll see how that kind of impacts the market. So that's kind of where we are macro wise. Uh, I haven't really seen any news outside of that. I think people want to take a nice Christmas or holiday vacation right now and not worry about all that garbage, frankly. Um, but yeah, what do, do, are, is that kind of your vibe, Ewok? I mean, it seems like that's yeah. what they've floated. And, and and here's a question I'll pose to you too. And I asked this the other day um, on a poll on the YouTube channel, but when do you think they do pivot, which is going to lead us to an even bigger conversation. But when do you think they do cease the rate hikes in 2023? Um, we'll just start there. When do you think they stop with hiking rates? Um, I, March, April, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, another, what do we have? January, February. We'll see how it plays out those two months. Um, and then maybe March. Um, they could start to pivot. Um, Richard, I don't know if you saw the stream he was on with, uh, and I don't even remember the guy's name. Paul Barron. Paul, Paul Barron. Yes. Yeah. We're going to get, um, I have a whole bunch on that. Yeah. Go ahead though. So, but the pivot, you know, is usually what leads up to the reversal. So, uh, or a, a bigger capitulation dip. Um, so I, I still think we have a couple months. I, we could still see a bottom though. Uh, I, I don't know, man. It's just weird. Like I said, this is the first time this has happened where we've got a uh, major um, economical downturn the same time as the crypto is. Usually, you know, when crypto's on a, a bear cycle every four years, um, the economy's still doing strong. They're still printing money. Um, and there's a lot of economic energy going back into it once it does capitulate and, and turn around. So this one's going to be a little different, um, maybe a little mm -hmm. bit longer, uh, more drawn out. But, you know, it will be there. It's it's still going to hold to that four year, just maybe a little extended period of time. We'll have a shorter bull run. Maybe uh, that'll all happen a little bit quicker, more accelerated, I think. Um, it, but it'll still stay in that cycle. I like something you said there, Ewok, about... Um this time may be a little bit different. A lot of people, that's become a meme to say like, oh, this time is different. Like a lot of people that have been bearish in this bear market have been mocked or criticized for saying that this time is different because, you know, oh, what if we go this low this time or whatever? Well, it literally is different in the sense that you just said, yes, we are in a different macro landscape here. Now, that doesn't mean that we all think that somehow it's going to go, Bitcoin's going to go to 3,500 again, like the previous cycle or something like that. But like you just said, Ewok, it is kind of like, well, whether a price or a time factor here, I think time makes a lot more sense. What yeah. you just alluded to that maybe we're in this a bit longer, but frankly, that's also kind of just accounting for, um, you know, the risk of making a projection. You know, we hit 69K, the ultimate high of 2021 in November of 2021. That could mean either this last month, November, where you and I were 
first saying we'll see new lows, which so far we were correct on, is it could either be like there that's the end of the ferocious one year bear market, or you know, we could be looking more towards like a January. And I think you and I are both kind of hinting at that already. Yep. Um, you know, and then even with the rate hikes and stuff like that, right? And we're going to get into more of that Paul Bear and Richard Hart interview. But yeah, it's typically when the Fed does pivot in these type of environments when you actually see a bottom or when things turn around. So I mean, right. hey, that leaves the door open for maybe even the spring for potentially for a low or. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think close. time. We're close. I think time could be the X factor here. Do you think yeah. there's more credence to that than? I mean, I, I I know you think we're going lower price wise, but I don't think you think that all of this means Bitcoin plunges into the single digits, right? No, no, not at all. I just think it's going to be a little extended. You know, normally the the bear market lasts about a year. Um, this time, I think we're going to go probably fourteen to fifteen months. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, again, I think we'll have a shorter bull cycle because of it, uh, be, but it will, it will play out that way. And they stay pretty much on top of the, the four year cycle. Yes. Yeah. I, th I think you're right. And it is important to like, you know, some people I think don't like the way the four year cycles look and it's not good with their way of looking at the market or they don't understand it or whatever, but we're going to break that down a little bit more tonight. And yeah, I, I think. I think it's I think we're pretty safe in saying that the first quarter of 2023 is either likely where we're going to see a new bottom or if the bottom is already in. Um, I think we still pretty much stay stagnant around where we are and kind of on par with the previous bottom of 15.4K or whatever it was, you know, through the spring, basically. So <clears throat> transitioning a little bit into some of the recent news this week, and this is something that you hit me up with the other day, Ewok. I saw it as well. And you mentioned it as a potential catalyst for this final leg down. And I definitely could see it. We've been talking about Grayscale and Genesis, um, the, the Grayscale uh, BTC Trust on here a lot. Um, and we have been hearing recently about some of the troubles that they could be facing, which yet again, another kind of legacy type player, although they themselves hold Bitcoin. But the fund, of course, is not really Bitcoin, of course. Um, but... Basically, and I know you know a little bit more about this one than me, so I'm going to defer to you on it. But basically that they would be looking at potentially having to sell, what, 20% of their Bitcoin to to cover some of their situation. What what do you make of this story? Well, it's I think they're only allowed to sell in increments of 15% at a time, wow. uh, which puts it right around 125,000 Bitcoin on the first sell. Um, they need liquidity essentially is what's happening. Uh, I, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but you know, they have it written, written into the contract that they are allowed to, to liquidate and sell, um, 15% at a time. So, mm -hmm. like I said, I think it'll play out to be about 125,000 Bitcoin hitting the market and it's, you know, it's going to be ugly. I think that could be our final catalyst to get us down to those final levels, um, and and bottom out at that point. Yeah, I was just doing the math on how much actual dollars that would be in my calculator. It gave me an error. So uh, safe to say it would be a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that definitely would be big. I mean, it, again, once again, and I know this isn't something like a Sam Bankman Fried or a scam or something like that, but it is another kind of legacy entity that created something for people to you know buy and hold Bitcoin. 
having issues and having to liquidate some of their funds. Yeah, I agree with you. I definitely could see that being another big scale down. And it would make so much sense too, that some of these older folks, uh, maybe I'm ageist, I'm just assuming that older people are the ones who would be investing in the grayscale fund, but um, they just want a little bit of exposure to what they think is crypto. But yeah, I, it would make so much sense for something like that to be the final catalyst down and yet another thing that isn't really crypto um, hurting the price temporarily of crypto, you know? Yep. So going to be interesting. Characters here in the chat having fun. Oh, yeah? Been, any of yeah, you are moderators, take care of them, please. Yeah, go ahead. I, I'm not seeing any on my side, so they must just be hitting you up tonight. But uh, yeah, so we will see what news um, does develop on that. It's definitely one to keep our eyes on. I mean, it's been there's been rumblings about it now for over four weeks or so, I would say. So, um, you know, any one of these days, we could see something pop up maybe here yep. in the new year. Yep. So, I don't think it'll take too long. Um, they're going to want to get their liquidity straightened out. Um digital control group needs, like I said, they need the capital. They need to get some things worked out. Um, I think I, I would think that they would want to take care of it this calendar year, but you know, we're mm -hmm. almost running out of time. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. They got about a week if that's what they want to do, but there's exactly. potential. I think there's potential for this to be one of the biggest stories. Uh, and we hear about it primarily in the crypto headlines for a few weeks. If that's, if this were to happen. So um, we'll definitely keep our eyes on that story. Right. The, another one I wanted to ask you about, and this one comparatively kind of flew a little bit under the radar this week. It, news is weird right now because, again, we are heading into the holidays. And I think people just kind of want to, in the cryptoverse anyway, kind of want to just get through this without, you know, an SBF or a Terra Luna or, you know, just another disaster. But I did see that CZ, who has been making so much news the last few weeks, whether just with how he's acting or things that Binance is doing or not doing or who is or isn't auditing them or if the audits are even real and yada, yada, yada. Um, I saw that they are acquiring the leftover. I think it was Voyager assets. I keep confusing them and Three Arrows Capital. Um but that they are acquiring the rest of the Voyager assets, basically meaning that those people will not be getting their money back. Um, and I want to ask you, you know, I think people might see a headline like that and just see CZ scooping up another person's failures and think that it's good. But I want to ask you, because there, I think there's a few angles to this. Do you think it is a good or a bad sign? Because we also saw SBF, who is now, you know, seeing the inside of a prison cell, although still on a vegan diet, I believe. <laughs> um, what, you know, did, we saw him gobble up a lot of different entities and funds leading up to what ultimately happened with FTX. So there's been some interesting stuff going on with Binance. And I'm you know, people throw the word FUD around and I'm not trying to do anything like that. I just am curious, you know, we see CZ go out and I think he stated that they were audited by this entity. And then you uncover that it was only audited under the terms that CZ provided. And then it's like, what do we even know about these auditing companies anyway? I mean, you can really go down a rabbit hole there. But what do you make of CZ and Binance acquiring this stuff? And what do you think is really going on under the hood with Binance? Well, I think they the play is to kind of create that monopoly. You know, the, the fewer... The fewer um, um competition that that cz has the the more the easier it is for him to capitalize on the market 
um, you know, we always preach, you know, not to leave your money on exchanges. Um, mm -hmm. So essentially when that happens, you know, that's when they're making their money is when you're doing your trades, when you get in and out, when you perform trades um, and when there's other things out there that you have an option for, um, you know, that takes from the possibility of their income. So mm -hmm. I, I think it is, you know, potentially CZ is walking. Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they can say, all right, no more. Uh, this is getting too monopolized. I don't know if anybody will step in regulation wise or not, uh, but it could be a bad thing if they continue to, to go that route. So we'll see what happens. I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a good thing. Um, I, I do think if they buy up Voyager's positions, though, um, I, do, I, I do think it gives people that were invested or lost some money the, the possibility of getting some back. So mm -hmm. it could be, a, you know, a good thing for them, at least a, a little bit. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that all plays out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is interesting to see what's going on with Binance. I've been hearing some crazy things from all sides as far as they go. I mean, anybody that was really calling or thinking that they would see any kind of similar fate to FTX, I just don't think I totally understands the situation. Um, but there's enough to have maybe some slight concerns about Binance, you know, maybe long term. But hey, I mean, after all, though, you and I and anybody who really understands crypto is going to preach forever and we're preaching to the choir, but, you know, to not have your stuff on there anyway. So, you know, it's yep. an in and out mechanism. And if you are a trader and I mean, more of like a day trader on one of those platforms, that's the risk you run. I mean, other than just like not doing well trading, you also run the risk of that's not really your money anymore. So, True. you know, if yep. that's what you want to do, then yep. more power to you. What did more hex? There's something well, more hex said there you want to highlight? No, but I think using something like a decentralized exchange, like a a Uniswap, is definitely the safer way to go. Uh, yes, yeah. you may not get the order execution, um, you know, or the the low low fees, uh, but you're not going to lose your money either. So, right, something, something to think about. You know, you take the take the the good with the bad. Um, it, it's a lot more safe to to do something like that and and play around with it. Uh, rather than keep your money on exchanges and hope for that IOU. Yes. Yeah, I totally agree. So um, that's kind of just some of the news, the slower news week for once uh, compared to the last few weeks. And again, I think it is because we're gearing up for the holidays, but rest assured, I'm sure in the new year, we're going to have all kinds of fireworks. I can just feel it. I can just feel January uh, turning the page quickly and the drama coming back. So yeah, it's going to get exciting. Yeah, uh, so it'll be interesting today and next week, which will be the 28th in between uh, Christmas and the New Year. I think we're going to have a couple, you know, pen, you know, if the news allows us, I think we're going to have a couple kind of evergreen market episodes here to talk about, which frankly are my favorite. That's the stuff I like to focus on on my YouTube channel, too. But let's turn our attention to this Richard Hart interview on the Paul Barron Network. And I, I, um, I've watched some of Paul Barron's videos in the past, if you're not familiar with him. I think he's a little bit more um, like old school crypto. And I, 
he'll do a lot of videos. I, I know he's really interested in like some of the GameFi space, and I've seen him make like a GameFi portfolio with like 15 different GameFi tokens in it. And I just thought, wow, that's way more than I want to get into. But um, I will say this, a high quality content in terms of like his studio and everything. I think he's a good interviewer and a good speaker and mm -hmm. stuff. I frankly was surprised myself to see him welcome Richard Hart on. I know that his fans asked for it, which that doesn't surprise me. Right. But uh, well, I mean, uh, watchers of Paul Barron Network requested it. But um, I told you, Ewok, I was surprised to see him on there because I've watched Paul Barron a couple of times over the last year. And I specifically on multiple occasions saw people within his chat asking about Hex and him literally scoffing at it and just kind of a dismissive. Come on, guys, don't be buying Hex. And, you know, now he's interviewing Richard Hart. So yeah. everybody's allowed to kind of change their mind. I don't think that necessarily means Paul Barron is a 100% Hex allocation now. <laughs> but um, yeah. it's good to see him talk to Richard anyway and see the light. And I think he was genuinely interested in a lot of Richard had to say. And understands that it's not just like the outfits and the, you know, PP talk and all that stuff <laughs> and that there's actually a lot of knowledge there. But let's go to the point that you were bringing up earlier, Ewok, and that was Richard saying, and we value kind of his opinion on Bitcoin because he's done so well calling prices in the past, but stating that he does not, of course, still believe that the lows are in. He gave thoughts on uh, the Fed pivoting, which you were talking about earlier, is usually when the bottoms happen. Um, and that this could last a little bit longer into 2023 because of that. So what um, was your impression of some of what Richard said here? And uh, we, we talked a little bit about it earlier, but it was nice to hear him say that because that's kind of what I have been thinking and believing myself. So. Well, right. And, you know, we kind of already covered it, but, you know, he said that the normal when the Fed pivots like that, then is that's when you see the capitulation after the pivot. Uh, so not before, uh, but after. So again, we've got, we've got a ways to go to get to that point, a couple more months of, uh, uh, of rate hikes, but you know, that's what his, his point was that usually when there is a pivot, the, the downturn in the market happens after, not before. And, um, another point that I had on that is he had also said, um, I'm losing my train of thought here. I'm trying to think of what I was going with. Um, oh, he it was interesting because the way he said it, I was just trying to pay attention to the nuance, was that he, he said it in the way he was like, I'd be a lot more comfortable calling the bottom right now if this stuff wasn't also happening, which made me think that he gave a little wee bit more credence. I don't think he believes it primarily, but he gave a little bit more credence to the bottom potentially being in. Um, than he may have before. And I think that's probably a time thing because we are a month removed now from a full calendar year of being in the bear market. Um, but yeah, look, I wanted to see that. Yeah, what was that comment? Go ahead and flash that back up there. Well, Johnny said six to eight months after the pivot is what he said. I, I don't, I didn't think it was quite that long, but you know, Johnny Chaos know, knows his maybe, stuff. Yeah, I don't know if he meant it as far as um, a bottom or if he meant, like the start of the market turning around. Um, I'll have to actually check that out again. You know, somebody I want to call out actually that is a hexagon. And uh, frankly, I, I've never, I, I had never heard of him before. And I sent you the stream of um, 
crypto coffee seven. and him the other day. Yeah, I love crypto seven. His stuff mm -hmm. is so good. And he does this awesome thing where, and I think it's better than a lot of other folks I've seen, where he kind of breaks down Richard's streams or interviews and really calls out nuances like that. I just watched his stream today. Um, where he was talking about some of that. He does a really, really good job kind of looking at the nuance of some of those streams that Richard's on. So shout out to Crypto7. I'm definitely yep. a fan. Yeah, that was a good um, stream with him and Coffee as well. So Very good, yes. Yep. Yeah, had a little bit of technical difficulty somewhere in there. But yeah, yeah it was definitely uh, definitely really, really good. So shout out to Crypto7 there too. Um, and, and speaking of him, this is what I kind of wanted to get into a little bit more. What he was talking about today was the idea of the four-year cycles, which again, Bob Lucas, you can find him on Twitter. It's L-O-U-K-A-S. He likes to hate on Hex quite frequently. I think whenever he wants attention or something, I'm not really sure. Um, but he is a, a big proponent and the creator, actually, of the Bitcoin four-year cycle. And he references them a lot, talks about them a lot. And uh, Richard, I think, is a believer in them and has gone by them in the past. Um, what I want to ask you, Ewok, is, you know, we've been talking about the four-year cycle from a Bitcoin perspective here a lot. But I want to get your thoughts. The, th the thumbnail of tonight's episode is, does Hex front run the market? And that's what we're going to get to right now. Richard would never, should never, can't ever, and Crypto7 was talking about this today, is not going to come out and say the Hex bottom is in. You know, right. that would be a massive violation. He'd be in a lot of trouble. He knows sure. how to say that. Um, but we heard from pretty good sources. I don't know why he would lie, but Miguel, uh, dollar cost crypto, whenever uh, Richard did come to the States there back in the early fall, I think it was like September, October, um, him and Miguel were hanging out. And it sounded like from Miguel that uh, maybe over some bar talk or whatever, Richard kind of thought that the bottom for Hex was in at about 2.8 cents or something at the time. Now we have gone slightly below that sense. Uh, again, right now we're sitting a little bit below two and a half cents. But I think for Richard to confidently enough say that and knowing that he believes in four-year cycles, um, that would mean that he thinks we're kind of past the the you know blood in the streets phase of this year in terms of hex anyway. And maybe now we're into the accumulation and, uh, you know, still confidently feeling that the bottom is in. I know there's a lot of hex people out there that are waiting for sub two cent hex and aren't going to buy again until it gets there or yeah. want a penny and a half. And who knows, you may get it, but I have not behaved like I'm waiting for it and I'm not going to behave like, I'm well, for it. so you might get it, but you also might get left behind um, because mm -hmm. the way the hex chart can move one candle and it's gone. Um, yeah, forever. Yeah. You know, it forever. Uh, it only takes one one whale to to purchase a couple million dollars, and it, it, whoever's waiting for two cents is getting left behind. Uh, it just that it's happened before. Uh, the very first um, up cycle that we had, uh, it happened several times where people were waiting for a pullback. Uh, they got a small one, and then just another crazy buy candle just put it up to to new all time levels. So. I, I wouldn't wait around. Um, and, you know, you're right. Richard can't say things like that. Um, he could get himself in a lot of trouble. Uh, but that's what we're here for, to say that, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, we, we can say it. We can say it. It's not going to not gonna hurt anything. But other than saying not financial advice, but I, I think right. we've, we've pretty much bottomed out. You might see a couple dips here and there. Somebody just, you know, decides to dump 10 or 12 million for shits and giggles or because they're tired of waiting um on pulse chain and you know to to answer stizzy jones question um 
what are the chances of Pulse not relaunch, not re- releasing in 2023? I think all of 2023, if it doesn't happen, uh, very slim to none. Um, I, I don't think I'd be surprised. Yeah, I would yeah, be surprised. If it doesn't that. launch next year, there's going to be some very upset people. Um, oh, there so, already are too. So, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but you know, you know, you know, I saw, um, I uh, whatever, I don't know if what her name is totally, but the uh, Hivid Hex, I know you know who I'm talking about on Twitter. Um, she tweeted something today that was an interesting thought that, that I didn't really think of, but basically how obviously there's so many people just to do a quick detour on Pulse Chain that are upset that it isn't out by now and definitely thought it would be out by now. You know, think if it did come out earlier this year, like in May, which I know was a big month that people were thinking, like May to June. What would we be thinking right now? I mean, the market, it, let's just pick May because that's what a lot of people thought. Well, we saw Bitcoin absolutely tank in June and the rest of the market just totally tank, like just yeah. the worst thing ever by June. And then you thought it couldn't get much worse. It gets way worse uh, recently in the fall with FTX and everything. So if Pulse Chain sits here now having a shelf life of six months or so already, I mean, people aren't exactly like super happy at this moment still, I don't think. I mean, like it, it, it'd be more bullish maybe than not having it. But I mean, like it it just feels more optimal that it launches more out of this territory. right? Well, yeah, I, I think so. I think also it could be the catalyst for the, the start of the bull. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, it could bring enough excitement and um, new investors into it. Uh, to trigger everything else, but we've got to have that other stuff happen first. Yes, you know, yeah, we we got to have the the final capitulation to get down there. I don't want. Uh, hopefully, it's not you know battling each other. You got one going up and you got one going down, and it's just kind of um, fighting each other back and forth. I I, I want everything to capitulate down, uh, realize, yes. get our bottom, and then we can kind of move on and and go from there. But That's yeah. Exactly- I, I, I think yeah. May May is a good target. I think if if we get um, testnet uh, version three in January sometime, uh, I was hoping by Christmas, but it seems that they're pretty close with some of the updates that the I've seen out there. You know, we're gonna get there shortly. Yeah, I want to cover yeah. that tweet Richard sent. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think we could be looking at January release for that, and if if everything goes well and they don't find any major bugs in the in, in the month or two, maybe three, um, you know, then we're looking April, May, even for that launch. So we'll see what happens. But it, it's positive, you know. It's it's mm-hmm. one day closer than it was yesterday. Yeah, I want to ask you, kind of finishing off on the four year cycle idea with Hex and Bitcoin. So obviously the Hex, and this is what we're talking about with Hex front running the market. I mean, it's indisputable at this point that Hex's bear market really started after the top of 56 cents in September of 2021. Right. Obviously, Bitcoin was not until November. So that's a full 60 days, which is, you know, Bob Lucas is also a big 60 day cycle guy. So 60 days is also an interesting uh, number as far as days and cycles. So now that we sit here in December of 2022, um, with the wiggle room of, you know, understand that there's not total exactness in these cycles and in these projections. Yeah, it would make a lot of sense that Hex has now moved on to the phase after the initial bloodbath and is now more towards the accumulation phase. And we may not see, 
you know, even a 50% uh, dip from here on out. Like we might just be in that accumulation phase. And it was at three cents and three and a half cents for so long. You know, now we took almost a 50%, not quite, but almost a 50% haircut from that three and a half cent range. So, right. you know, you, you've got those prices right now. We could be in that accumulation phase already for hex and never go below two cents. I think the people, it it does kind of remind me of some of those other times where like ever in hex, I think because a lot of people might be, might've been there since the beginning and expect the worst with a lot of lows and stuff like that. I think that there might just be more propensity for them to think that there's going to be penny hex than, you know, maybe people thinking like nine K Bitcoin. It just seems like they're more wired for like what they could scoop up, you know? Well, I, I think, you know, the one thing, the beauty is that, there aren't really many Bitcoin hex trading pairs anywhere. Yeah. Um, so the Bitcoin price won't really affect it. Now, that being said, there are a lot of Bitcoin Ethereum pairs. So Bitcoin will bring down Ethereum. There are some hex Ethereum pairs. Um, but the majority of the liquidity is still tied with USDC, which is a good thing. Um, so I don't see that final capitulation for Bitcoin. Uh, the, the, you know, when that happens, I don't see it hurting the hex price too awful bad. You know, we right. might get a dip down, uh, but again, I think still think there's so many limit orders set uh, in in those 1.5, 1.8 cent range uh, that if it does dip that low, it gets bought up immediately, so yeah. it won't stay there. And I, I'm pretty sure we have hit a floor at least anyway. I think you're right. I think that 1.8 to 2 cent range is kind of like the 10K range for BTC. I just think that there's such a huge wall there of support that we probably won't see below that. We could, we absolutely could, but I think it would be a strange scenario and only like very, very quickly or something like that. So, I mean, yeah, if you want to wait for that and set a limit order, that's totally fine, but just be prepared that it's not going to get filled. And I personally would still want to be getting into the market in the meantime, you know? Um, so that's where we're looking at hex is terms of the or excuse me in terms of the four-year cycle so yeah, i think we are um getting into that accumulation phase for it. and then as far as bitcoin just to look at the crypto market at large since the rest of crypto is going to kind of follow along with bitcoin um you know we've been covering this a little bit this episode but yeah i mean i i think we still you and i still are both of the mindset that we think january might be the new ultimate low so i think we're probably just we're in that in-between stage right now where, hey, we experienced 2022 already. So like the, you know, terribleness of this year um, is over in 10 days. I mean, literally, it's not going to be here anymore. But, uh, yep. you know, now there could still be other catalysts like that grayscale thing we're talking about that could drag the market down to its final low. But um, we're at the point now where the downside risk far outweighs the upside reward for most of the things that you would want to get into in this market. That's totally up to you, whatever it is you want to hold for, you know, five plus years or for the long term. But we're just getting to that point where like, if you're waiting for that perfect price, it's going to start feeling foolish, I think, over the next few weeks and months. Yep. Yep. So. I, th I think, yeah, you're get, you're you're so close enough that it's not going to matter a whole lot. You know, just like, don't, don't blow it all in one buy. Uh, save a yeah. little powder just in case. Uh, but but now's a pretty good entry point. Yeah, I think you're almost always going to regret blowing it all in one buy, no matter what the price is. Like, I mean, that's like giving yourself, what's the point of giving yourself one out to get something right? You know, right. I mean, right. you don't have to DCA 
uh, every single day and have all these fees be eating up, but at least take different nibbles at it. You know, um, I do want to have a little bit of extended conversation about, you know, if we're talking about a four year cycle. So, yeah, we've got the first year, which it depends on how you want to split it up. But you've got the, you know, the initial bear market year that's just terrible. And, you know, everybody that's going to die is going to die. Not literally, but like figuratively in crypto or capitulate. Right. Then you kind of have that boring accumulation year. And that's what I want to focus on a little bit, because, again, I think we're on the precipice of it. I think the majority of 2023, when we look back, I'm not just forecasting this. And again, it's not obviously financial advice, but I think a few years down the road, we're going to be comparing 2023 to 2019 um, as far as the last cycle, where I think most of this year and more so the second half of it is going to be stagnant. Uh, you know, uh, almost where people might prefer a 2022 environment again, as weird as that is to say, if they have long-term conviction in crypto, because at least then when FTX went up in flames and all these other disasters happened, it was like, oh, I, I got to buy today. Like there's blood in the streets. 2023, you know, you, you might, some of your favorite assets, you might be like, this is the same price it was a month ago, man. Yeah. Like it, it probably feels more like crypto is dead than just when things are crashing and you know it's probably a short-term overreaction. When things are just totally stagnant, it's like, how is this ever going to rip again? Like maybe the stuff I'm involved in is just dead. So what do you think about that idea that like an accumulation year like that where things aren't, there's not as much volatility, may maybe even shake people out or mess them up psychologically more than the bear market year? Well, you know, a lot of the moves that happen in crypto are... I don't know the, the the bear or the bull market. Uh, the majority of the moves happen in a in a two week period. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the big moves anyway. Uh, it doesn't. It's it's not just like a steady huge rise. It's right. you know it's that straight up trend um, that happens in just a few weeks. So uh, you know I don't think this is going to be any different. Um, it is going to chop around. Um, it's it's kind of boring. You know. But at least things are going in the right direction. Now, the, the last bull cycle that we had, you know, Hex was brand new at that point. So <laughs> we had something fun to do and it was it was completely, right. you know, different. But um, yeah, this one's going to be interesting. We may we'll have Pulse Chain, you know, that'll be new. So I, I think it'll be good. I think, you know, but again, you have to realize that the majority of the moves happen in a very short condensed period of time it doesn't it, it's not spread out over months and months and months of just run up after run up uh, it doesn't work that way and you can see it in the charts. Yeah, you can really see it in the charts. I was mentioning earlier, like when you look at that first high in 2021, like in May, I mean, yeah, that that huge rise up is not a lot. Of, I mean, just look at like 2019 to 2020. Yeah, 2021. It's just, you know, between May and November. And we lost a lot in between those two mountain peaks there. But yeah, very quick rises up to those two numbers. So that's why like right now, when people are like sitting here waiting for the perfect buying opportunity, it's like buying anything right now is and just buying lots of it continuously over the next year, year and a half or whatever is just going to pay off likely if you're getting into something that isn't going to die. And, you know, as long as your portfolio isn't full of like a million different tokens and you're really educated on what you're invested in, right. you're probably going to do okay. Yeah. You know, yep. um, 
so that's just something to remember. Like, you know, these prices, even though we're sick of them at this point, and it's like, oh, yeah, two and a half cent hex. Well, man, I mean, like we're going to be sitting somewhere in 2025 where that is a distant, distant memory. So um, sometimes, you know, the perspective thing never gets old, I find. Like with me, I think everybody needs that reminder every now and then that, you know, because we wake up every day and we see these same prices and you get bored and tired of it, you know, um, you got to have that proper perspective. So yep, hopefully we kind of provided a little bit of that. So hopefully. Um, but let's get to that pulse chain tweet from Richard Hart Ewok. Um, so, you know, I know it was full of a lot of like dev speak and stuff like that. Um, I've heard a few thoughts on it from others that, that I'll share here too, but what were your takeaways from that? And what do you think it means as far as a time frame? Um, actually, if you want to pull it up, maybe and share your screen. Um, I don't know if you have it or not. I'll try to get it up too and put it in the chat, but what were uh, your takeaways from that update from Richard Hart? Other than uh, I'm glad that he shared it and it's nice to have him provide updates. Well, yeah, I think it was just a good update. I think it was needed by the community, um, whether we understood what it meant or not. Um, I think it was good to hear from him uh, some some of the, the technical updates, which then other people could dissect for us and, and tell us what... Yeah. what you know what did that really mean you know the beacon chain and the uh light was it lighthouse i forget what some of the terms were if you have it and go go ahead and share it if you want um, oh i'm looking i'm still looking yeah he's been tweeting a lot it looks like so <laughs> i'm uh i'm still kind of scrolling down i can't not find but it. Go ahead. yeah it, it's beyond my technical um knowledge anyway um i, I know there was something about the uh, explorer in there uh, there was something about the uh, what he was talking about was because Pulse Chain has so many more coins than Ethereum, um, they're changing the integers so that right. the, the digits make sense. Um, so that was part of it. Uh, there was, um, I forget what else. You pretty was. much nailed it all. I, I found but it. I, I'll just read it real quick. It, it was just Pulse Chain update, working on mods to Lighthouse prerequisite for Beacon Chain Explorer, similar to what um, has done to make Prism work with our larger integers, which don't fit in their standard unit slots. Also more AMM fix. Unless you're a dev, it's mostly gibberish. So one thing that I thought was an interesting thing to say, again, I'm... Uh, I'm loving the crypto seven content, but he made, you know, he's obviously not a dev either, but he made the point that, you know, um, if you're going to talk in specifics like this, anybody could just start calling it out and knowing whether something's BS or whether it would really take this amount of time, you know, so to put some specifics out like that, I right. think is, um, a good, it was sign, a good thing, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And even yeah. just those little updates, as as menial as it may sound, or um, I think they're good. I think they're needed. I think people need to hear that things are being worked on um, and progress is being made. I, there are some people that understand it. So, you know, mm -hmm. there, are, there are also people out there that could probably say, well, I, I'm going to pretend like I sound like I know what I'm talking about and, and FUD the hell out of it too. So you got to be careful. I was just that. thinking that too. Yeah. 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 People so, are always going to be there to do right. that. Yeah. Yep. So you got to be careful there. So that's the, the big pulse chain update. I mean, we'll see. I know a lot of people are expecting, um, basically just, I'm really excited for Q1 of 2023 for multiple reasons. I mean, we both think that there's probably going to be some other shoot to drop, whether it is 
some kind of activity with the Mount Gox stuff for the market, which, you know, we forget about that stuff sometimes. This grayscale stuff, um, you know, on the positive side, Pulse Chain actually launching. And, you know, Ewok right there, and I'm surprised you missed this, but you were talking about uh, different little positive things to be doing in that boring accumulation year in the bear market. You were talking about Hex the last time, Pulse Chain this time. I'm surprised you left out Minting Zen which I know um, is something that uh, you and I both did on day one. And yeah. uh, some people are not a fan of, of talking about, but uh, th there is some interesting stuff going on there. I know Jack has the, uh, the Zen FTs apparently coming out shortly and there's a Zen burn going on. I I'm interested to see just from a distance, you know, neither one of us are like Zinians or I, I don't subscribe to any of the, like, you know, I'm in this camp or that camp. I just am interested in crypto, but right. um, it's uh, it's going to be interesting kind of over the long term to see what happens with Zen as it does stop being so inflationary. Well, um, and I think that's one yeah. of the things that I had mentioned to you some time ago, you know, even at the very beginning after a week or so, uh, I said they, they're going to have to create something um, that right. prevents people from just getting it and dumping it. There's got to be some sort of mechanism built into this whole system uh that promotes people holding it locking it up doing whatever i don't think the staking feature is is enough um because you can stake it for however long you want once you mint i, I don't know that there's any kind of lock period or um, there yeah you can only do a maximum i think of like three years i forget right. what it is exactly yeah right yeah for so it's just it's not enough it's not enough mechanics to to prevent people from just getting it and dumping it um mm -hmm. so you know, again, like I said early on, you know, they've got to come up with some of these and maybe the NFTs or whatever they are, um, are one of those, you know, mechanics that will, will help hold the price up a little bit. Um, otherwise it's going to be several years of just people minting and selling. So they've got to prevent that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you. Yeah. There has to be something else built in. And I think we'll probably hear even more on that front. But in the meantime, I mean, you know, a lot of people are obviously crapping on Zen and I just want everybody to, you know, much like we have done in the past, if if you are going to take a big time stance on something or try to sound really smart or something like that, at least do be fully smart about it. And I think that, you know, if somebody just unequivocally gives an opinion about anything with a definitive and I am right, I mean, you already are wrong behaviorally, you know, even <laughs> if you, you know what I mean? Like, even if you end yeah. up being right in that instance, like if you luckily end up being right with that attitude, okay. But I think, especially with crypto, because this is a new frontier. I mean, we're in like a brand new space still here and people need to remember that. And, you know, um, th there's room for a lot of different stuffs and, and, and ways of getting this thing done. So I do think what's happening with Zen is interesting. I certainly am not, you know, heavily involved with it or anything like that i know people that have probably billions of tokens and stuff like that already but you know um something else to to follow along at the very least i just am interested to see what happens with it but yeah. um yeah yeah and i think i was very you know democratic about it and mm -hmm. and you know when i i still got a lot of grief of of not reading the white paper when well, we, it was partially we me. That was partially it. my fault. I mean, I, I but, purposely made a uh, clickbait video, so I know, but it's still it, it's it's okay. Um, uh, again, I just 
you know, we each have our own coins that we like, uh, some we don't like, um, but I, you know, I don't ever want to talk shit about somebody else's project, uh, because I know there are passionate people about it. Um, you know, <laughs> and you know, we have our passions too, like Hex and Pulse and, and, and things like that. So, you know, not everybody feels the same about the projects, even though, um, I think ours have a lot better mechanics behind it and, you know, the price chart that shows uh, what it can do and, and what it probably will do again in the next cycle. So until we see something like that out of some of those other tokens, well, you know, right. That's kind of where I'll leave it. Yeah. The proof is in the pudding. Yeah. And it, yeah, it is unfortunate for people like within, you know, crypto already is such a small part of overall world finance right now. And obviously we all lose sight of that because we are in it every single day. So it doesn't seem like that to us. But then within crypto, you've got like legacy CFI, I want to take your money people. And then you have like true DeFi people. And then within DeFi, you've got like, well, this guy's a hex guy. This guy's a Zen guy. This guy, you know what I mean? So there's right. all these different camps. But I think... I think as far as we can get down to like DeFi and people that are really interested in true crypto, you know, at the end of the day, we've got a lot more in common than we have different, I think anyway. Sure. So, yep. yeah. But uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much all we've got um, for this week. The, the, again, this week and next week, I think are going to be a couple of kind of more evergreen, interesting like strategy videos, which are some of my favorite streams. Um, unless we do get any news over the holiday here, but um, Ewok, what uh, what do you have to leave us with? Anything else? Any huge holiday plans? Give me some of your favorite. What's your favorite Christmas dish? Ooh. Um, yeah. Well, I am making prime rib on Christmas Day. Wow, I like that. Um, be going to uh, both sets of grandparents uh, for my kids uh, Saturday. Then Christmas at my house, and then Monday at the other grandparents. So, lots of good go. food, lots of traveling. Um, daughters visiting from down south, so you know, get to spend some time with with them. And yeah, it'll be good. Uh, I'm just looking for looking forward to to safe travels and and, and enjoying the family time. I love the prime rib idea. I mean, I, I don't, that, yeah. I honestly haven't heard of that one before. So that's, that's pretty good. I, I know ham is obviously a big thing more for Christmas. Um, right. Yeah. I don't, uh, it's funny when I was younger, I would have chosen ham over Turkey any day of the week, but I've now gone more towards the Turkey side. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm sure I'm going to have Turkey and ham. I, I'm going to repeat the same thing I did for Thanksgiving. I love green bean casserole. So if somebody is serving yeah. that, I'm definitely going to eat it. Um, happy holidays to you as well. And everybody, of course, watching. Um, I feel like I had one other thought. To, oh, one other thing I wanted to ask you, Ewok. Yeah. Out of your whole life, anything that you can remember, favorite singular Christmas gift you ever received? Can be something from when you were a kid oh, that you were man. really hoping for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of my own. You know what? The biggest memory I have is actually something I thought for sure I was getting. Like, for sure. And, you know, this is when I was already past the Santa thing. I was like, my, they definitely got me this. All I've done is ask for this all winter long. And I didn't get it. I'll, t I'll reveal it after you. Uh, I'm trying to it. think. Um, I I think I, I'm pretty sure I got an Atari for Christmas one year. Oh, uh, we're already old, in the same wavelength here. Atari 2600. Um, 
you know, it was top of the line at that point. Now you you're look dating at it yourself here. I know All of our I viewers am. probably don't know what that even is. Don't even know what that is. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, it's a good gift. Yeah, it was. I th- that's probably the one that stands out the most. Yeah. Um, yeah. That I can think of off the top of my head anyway. Well, funny, funnily enough, what I'm referring to that I did not get. I mean, I thought for sure. I was like, clearly I put it in my parents' head. You know, spoiled brat that I was, that I wanted this. <laughs> and it was a, um, I already had had a Sega Genesis. So I'm dating myself more recently. But that, you know, it was my first ever real gaming system. And I wanted the Sega Game Gear, which was a handheld Sega. That, you know, you can right. play Sonic on it, all like the classic Sega games. And I, I was like, all I've done is talk about wanting a Sega Game Gear. I know that's what they're getting me. And I didn't get it. There was no mention it. of a Sega Game Gear. Um, I think I was so upset that I just didn't even bring it up. Um, yeah, it was so weird. I I can't tell you what age I would have been then, but I thought for sure I was getting that Sega Game Gear and it didn't pan out. So, um, <laughs> you know, thanks, Mom and Dad. That's Yeah, my, right? Uh, Lasting <laughs> memories. Jeez. <laughs> Um, I'm sure there's one I really loved too. I'm just blanking right now. You know, the negatives, you have that negative bias in life. You always remember the losses more than you do the wins, sure. right? So yeah, the yep. Sega Game Gear is mine. So. Yeah, I had I had that as well, Johnny. I had Pong. Uh, Pong go. was the first one. Uh just the two the two dots and the the paddles and the and the yeah. ball going back and forth. That was uh that was right before the Atari. But yeah. Man, I do I've remember been, asking for a four wheeler for year after year after year, and and just never got one. So that that's was a pretty probably, big ticket item, though. That's yeah, a pretty, yeah. That was a big that was expectation. A, that was that was a pricey one for sure. I've been I've been actually brainwashing my son with Sega Genesis lately. I've just been okay. showing him uh, like road rat, like people doing playthroughs of Road Rash and uh sonic and man what else did i play the aladdin game the aladdin yeah. sega genesis game was one of the best sega genesis games ever um we used to stay up all night playing uh pga golf ooh, like nice. we would we would we, we bet money on it <laughs> like we got into yeah, it right. <laughs> seriously yeah we, we were we were pretty into it yeah 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 there's uh the two systems that really stick out for me in my childhood was Sega Genesis and PS2. I feel like I played PS2 for so many years. Um, but yeah. Not the Nintendo? Walk down memory lane. No, I never had a Nintendo. My, <laughs> my friends all had Nintendos. I, Nintendo and Sega was like PlayStation and... Um, well, I guess I was in 64 too back then. Uh, PlayStation and N64. Or no, Xbox, my bad. Xbox, Xbox and yeah. PlayStation. And, and yeah, Nintendo and Sega were kind of like the enemy. So I grew up a Sega boy. I remained a Sega boy. And uh, there was a PlayStation boy. So that was pretty much me. Uh-huh. Um, Master yeah, of Monsters. I don't I don't remember that. I don't know. What, I don't either. That. Okay. All right. I'll look that one familiar. up. Okay. Um, well, hey, this is a good way to wrap up the show, I think. We'll yeah. have to do – maybe we should do this more often, childhood memories, to wrap up the, the podcast. But uh, – we will be back next Wednesday, same time, same place, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the 28th after Christmas and before the New Year's. We'll see if we get any more crypto news in between then and now, now and then, whatever. And um, yeah, otherwise, we'll have a nice evergreen uh, episode for you guys. So I'm really excited about it. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to all of you. Hope you have Merry a great Christmas. time with your families. Yep, absolutely. Subscribe to us if you find us on YouTube at Broke Boy Crypto or at Crypto Ewok. Um, on Twitter as well. And we will catch you guys next week right here on the Creek of Crypto Podcast. Mm-hmm.